0: Hello, everyone.
1: Welcome to Southeastern 14. We have a treat for you each and every Friday during this football season. We're going to have a special guest on with you, Jake Crane of the from the Daily Wire Crane & Company, a show that's going like crazy. He's going to be on with us each and every Friday. But guys, before we get Jake on here, we've just passed 10,000 subs. We're trying to catch Crane and Company over there. They got they got it rocking and rolling. So you help us do that. Hit that subscribe button, like, turn on notifications. I'm Blaine Gilmer. We talk SEC ball in here every single day. But without further ado, who you're on here to see, Mr. Jake Crane. Jake, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us, man. First of all, I'm loving loving the old school hoodie there. The, the Houston hoodie.
0: Blaine, first off, I get more compliments on this thing. I got to give credit to my wife. We were in TJ Maxx, and watching her navigate TJ Maxx, it's, it's almost like watching Indiana Jones and some, like, Hidden Temple figure his way around. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But I, I wasn't going to get it, and then she made me get it, and I get more compliments on this. I was getting compliments on this thing and our honeymoon in France, man. And it's funny. My father actually played for the Oilers uh, back when they were in Houston. So it's, uh, it's my favorite. I mean, the baby blue goes super hard. I mean, it does, 100%. Yeah.
1: It's great. It's great stuff. And now it's Texas is all of SEC country now with everything that's coming in, with Texas coming into the league and Texas AM. But Jake, without, you know, even, even drawing it out too much, we're gonna hop right into the first topic. Just so everybody knows, this is gonna be Jake's takes on Southeastern 14. You can catch Jake's takes on his show uh over on the daily wire on crane and company but he's going to be with us each and every week giving a version of jake's takes on some topics we're bringing to him so we're gonna go ahead and hit the first one here jake sec west chaos if i were to say to you if i were to ask you is the sec west primed for chaos in 2023 what would your take be on that jake
0: well, you know, I don't know if you can call last year really chaos, but, you know, not seeing Alabama win the West, I guess, is, is considered chaos now. But I think, Blaine, when you look at the conference, from the top to the bottom, I think uh, on the spectrum of who could do what, it's as wide open, you know, to use the cliche, the wild, wild West, it, it really is. Uh, it's as wide open as it has been since I can remember. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, you know, we actually compared it to the Big Ten East. This morning on the show, that there's no Rutgers in this division. There's no Indiana in this division. It's it's a really powerful division from the top to the bottom. I mean, it's hard to figure out who's going to be in the middle of it. And obviously you got to start with Alabama. Even though LSU won the West last year and in, in Brian Kelly's first year, the spectrum of of where Alabama could finish, I think, is wider. I think it's anywhere between 9 and 3 and 12 and 0. I mean, you never want to sleep on Nick Saban. That's not a great business to be in. But when's the last time Alabama had to replace a left tackle and a quarterback in the same year? And and in a transition year from an identity standpoint on offense. You know, they're trying to go back to the bully ball days of Alabama where they just lined up, and we call them middle finger runs. They could just line up and run it whenever they wanted and get whatever they wanted. Defensively. They yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it was they had a monopoly on offensive and defensive linemen. And make no mistake. It is a quarterback in trenches league. It is a quarterback in trenches game. So when you look at, at, at where Alabama is right now in the quarterback battle, we th- I think Ty Simpson's is going to end up winning it, but we still don't know yet. That there's some questions on whether they can get back to that dominant level up front because you look around the rest of the league. I mean, look at what LSU's bringing back. Four or five starters on the offensive line, two NFL tackles. I think Will Campbell may end up being a top five pick before it's all said and done. They bring Jaden Daniels back. I love them getting Logan Diggs, uh, adding him from Notre Dame in the backfield. And you've got Malik Neighbors and the rest of the aliens they have running around out there wide, and that's not even talking mm-hmm. about Mason Smith in the defense. So you look at Ole Miss, you look at Mississippi State, new system under Zach Arnett, which I think is going to benefit Will Rogers more. Some people look at yeah. me like I got three eyes when I say that, but I, I really think it's going to, and we can dive into that at some point. And in Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, how will they be up front? You know, Do they have enough pieces around them and enough depth on defense and then Auburn with Hugh Freeze, man. And AM, Bobby Petrino. So, so no. I say it's a long way of saying this. There are a lot more unknowns this year in the SEC West than there has been going into a season in a long time. And I think that's great for the conference. I think it's great for the division. And I do believe that lends itself to chaos, which is, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I was just looking. I did a video the other day on, listen, quarterback's not the problem at Alabama. Your problem is – offensive line depth there's never been a time where Nick Saban's been like okay I've got a couple studs over here but I really don't know who's going to be playing on this other side and if one of those guys goes down then we've got freshmen in the two deep like it that's just not normal for Alabama
0: and it's so hard you know outside of quarterback uh, the transition from high school starting as a freshman you know in the trenches on the offensive line and the defensive line that's the hardest spot to go in there and do it just because physically look grown old man strength is a real thing when it comes to the trenches, and, and Alabama's got a ton of talent. They've recruited; they just have the number one rate of recruiting class in the history of recruiting, whatever it was last year, depending on where you look. So the talent's there, but the experience—what we call the unteachable and tangible—the experience is not there, and that's something that you you can't put into somebody. They've got to go through it, and you go through ups and downs. So again, Alabama doesn't typically have to replace symbiotic positions. What do I mean? Left tackle quarterback middle linebacker defensive end there's a lot of things that alabama's having to replace this year like i said earlier while they're transitioning identity wise system wise and scheme wise going back to what they used to be so look i know they play lsu at home you do got to go on the road to auburn uh you get texas at home week two i think that's going to be a great litmus test not only for alabama but for texas as well so yeah i think alabama i i don't want to say that, that I think that, that they're just going to be an, an average team because they have too many above-average players to be an average team. But I think they're going to be a little bit mortal. You know, Achilles wasn't dipped in the water all the way, and that's what ended up getting them. I think it may be the whole leg this year for Alabama, though.
1: It is It is crazy, and and you talked about it. You listed all the quarterbacks out there. That's what makes me – like the SEC West – even with Auburn naming Peyton Thorne as their starter, I think Peyton Thorne is a cool customer. He's a guy who's played big time football. He's going to bring he's going to bring some uh, some calmness, I think, to Auburn a little bit in in their in their system. But you have him, KJ Jefferson, Will Rogers, like you said, whoever it ends up, it could be either Jackson Dart or Spencer Spencer Both with Sanders. a ton of
0: experience, Both exactly, very experienced guys.
1: Who, who have played Jaden Daniels. People crap a little bit on Jaden Daniels and saying he missed some deep shots last year or was afraid to pull the trigger. I'm like, guys, you know, he didn't even know he was going to be the starter until right before the camp. Now he's had a whole offseason for that rapport. I think year one to year two, and you mentioned it with freshman linemen. They had two freshman tackles last year. How can you not think LSU is going to be better with Jaden Daniels year two and the tackles being experienced now?
0: Well, well, a a couple things on there. Number one, and it's not just Jaden Daniels. I mean, you got Nussmeier right behind him. I, I think LSU, from a quarterback depth standpoint, it was huge having Nussmeier decide to stay. Because, again, he could have hopped in the transfer portal. He could have gone and been the guy somewhere. We know Jaden got a little beat up last year. We talked to him in SEC media days. He's a little bit thicker, but he's still not a thick guy. I mean, Jaden Daniels is not a, a big guy, and he does like to run. And I think, you know, last year, and this is something that, that we've harped on. I've, I've talked to a Blue in the Face about this. About halfway through the year, He was at eight touchdowns, no interceptions. And somebody asked Brian Kelly, they're like, hey man, how great is it that Jaden Daniels, he's not turning the ball over? And Brian Kelly said, Listen, I don't want him to turn the ball over, but we're not getting a return on our investment because Jaden Daniels isn't utilizing the deep third of the field enough. Not that he'd never throw it, but he wasn't giving his receivers the opportunities. To go, look, if you're even, you're leaving. That's the, that's yeah. the rule at wide receiver. You got to let them go. Sometimes you got to throw the 50 50 ball and let them turn it into a 70 30 ball. And then all of the sudden. He's got the
1: dudes to get it.
0: He's got the. Yeah, look at. I mean, it's like the Avengers when you look at LSU, when it comes down to athleticism. There's a reason they can win national championships with one guy who ate grass and another guy that probably smoked it. There's a reason for that. They have unbelievable talent. But when you look at when Jaden started utilizing the deep third, it changed them offensively. How? Well, that first half of the year, every time it seemed like they ran it, there was 30 guys in the box. You want to know why? Because there was. Because Jaden went and challenged him down the field. Every time he'd throw an intermediate route or or a short game route or he'd throw the screen, it was like two guys were hitting the receiver or the running back at once. They were because everybody was creeped up. But once that started happening down the field, it opened up everything else. And I think a little bit of it was. Don't don't forget, when he decided to go to LSU from Arizona State, what was the knock on Jaden Daniels? Well, he turns the ball over. He's lazy with the ball. He puts the ball up for grabs too much. And you can sit here and say, I'll block out the noise and don't listen to it. But I guarantee you, in those meeting rooms when he got there, and with Brian Kelly when he got there, they made sure and showed him that tape from Arizona State and said, if you do this to the SEC, we are going to get murdered. I don't care how talented we are around because turnovers lead to losses. So I think there was a lot of it. Now he's comfortable. I think them getting rid of some of the prima donnas they had on last year's team, even though they won the SEC West. I love Malik Neighbors. I especially love Malik Neighbors on third and sixth. That's when I really love Malik Neighbors. But I'm telling you right now, where did LSU get worse? Where did they get worse? You lose D'Zulati and Ali Gay off the edge, but you've got some great guys in from the transfer portal. And the minute I worry about LSU's athleticism up front is the minute we all need to look up and see the asteroid that's about to hit Earth because that's about yeah. the only way.
1: Exactly. So it sounds like we're on the same page in terms of LSU, I think, is only going to get better, but the rest of the SEC West is definitely got weapons and they've definitely got quarterback play and things like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch week in and week out. Now, Jake, I want to move on to SEC expansion, conference realignment. It's been a big topic. I've kind of been, you know, at first I was thinking about everybody, okay, who should the SEC go out and get to make them stronger and stuff like that? But then I got to thinking, I was like, when you go out, right, and you go and you're you're looking at like a, a nightclub or you're looking at a, a restaurant or something like that and you, you walk around the corner and you see, man, look at that line to get in there. Like I wonder what's going on there. It's because they're the places that are the places to be, they limit their spots. They make those spots special. And I wonder if Greg Sankey and company should say, Hey, we're not going to expand. We're going to stay at sixteen because we're going to keep the the premium status here of the sec and we're not going to water it down by adding some teams that may be not up to par
0: yeah look i call it selective aggression right because at the end of the day there is not even with the movement we've had that's why i think what brett Yormark's done with the big 12 has been brilliant because there's only so many brands and markets together that are worth collecting right everybody that, that that's that's the perfect mix Right, we talk about you talk about in beer pong, right? Oh, I got the perfect mix. I got the perfect mix. I can't miss now. It's a brand and a market. UCF, growing brand, big market. BYU, it's a religion. You got a religion, like it's a huge market, big brand. BYU is a big brand. Houston, big brand, huge market. You can recruit recruit what I call the state of Houston and be fine. You can walk out there, throw a rock, and hit a five-star in all three sports. Cincinnati, big market, big brand. Just made the college football playoff. Can't believe they hired Satterfield, but that's a story for another day. And then, obviously, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, all that. But if you're if you're the SEC, I'm not budging. Number one, I have leverage, okay? But I'm not budging unless you are a big-ticket item, right? Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma, huge. You'd be dumb not to take them. If you can get Florida State, you get them. If you can get Clemson, you get them. If you can get North Carolina, you get them. You can get Virginia Tech, somebody not a, lot, a, a brand that not a lot of people are talking about. But when you think about Virginia Blaine, who that state? Who do you think about in football first? Think
1: yeah, I mean, Virginia I Tech. think people our age, we're definitely going to think of uh, Mike Vick and and Virginia yeah, Tech and all that
0: time. Understand, so. man, Blacksburg. Right? I don't think about Virginia. I'm not out here trying to trying to finish first in my law class. You know, know if that's great. If you do, Asuntos as is one of my favorite shows. But at the end of the day, we're talking about football, so. If, look where the ACC is right now. You're going to bring in Stanford and Cal? That Okay, look, nice, into the Atlantic Coast Conference? You're The only one out there right now outside of the ones I just listed, in my opinion, and you can throw Miami in there, it's obviously Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame and come in the SEC. So, So if you're Greg Sankey, you can be selectively aggressive. And I think all this Florida State-Clemson talk to the Big Ten – I think it's them just kind of flaunting and dancing around for the SEC, you know. To say, hey, Greg Sankey, look, you know. It's like all of a sudden you just started dating. Now you're trying to trying to impress her by making other people like you. Like I get it, I understand what you're doing. But at the end of the day, if you're the SEC, you don't have to reach old bull, young bull. You're the old bull. Let's walk down there, man.
1: But do you think do you think it's a a point of necessity even right now that they must? kind of cut the big 10 off from from gaining even more teams or do you think do you mm-hmm. think with the brands and the regionality I know you're a guy that's big on conferences should be regional and I know Florida yeah. State and Clemson would remain in that but the SEC's branding and the SEC's regionality is still intact and on point right now do you think they need to make that preemptive move Maybe more so for a Florida school like a like a Florida State or Miami, just to prevent the Big Ten from the recruiting inroads down there. Uh, or would or are Florida State and Clemson a must in your opinion that you have to keep them from going to the Big
0: Ten? Well, you know, I, I think it's like Coach Red Bayou said in the Water Boy. You know, you know what my daddy said was the only thing that was better than one crawfish dinner is three crawfish dinners. And look, I, I don't buy this talk of oh. The SEC, that you know, they're just—they're good. They're, you know, they're not out here looking to add anybody. Look, the, the slogan of the conference is it just means more. Okay, I was born at night, but not last night. The SEC is the predator. They're not the prey. They're not sitting back here just going to be ho hum and happy. Now they don't have to do anything. I think they'd be fine either way. And like I said earlier, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't understand even with the the leverage payments that they're talking about with the ACC, which they can change within themselves at any point in time, how Florida State and Clemson's going to go to the Big Ten. Now, I will never underestimate a lawyer's ability to be able to make an argument, but, you know, I I, I haven't seen the files. I haven't seen the papers. But my question is not if or when for Florida State or Clemson if they try to go to the Big Ten. It's how. How is that going to work? Now, what I do know is that the ACC has a contract with ESPN, and I know that like SEC has a contract. 2036 or something? Yeah, the, 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 the SEC has a contract with ESPN. So if there was any wiggle room in there, I think it'd be a whole heck of a lot easier to keep the same media entity and just slide them into the SEC as opposed to let Fox come down here and snatch them. Now, look, the Big Ten's already going to add USC and UCLA. We know that. Now Oregon and Washington. I'm I'm wondering how, how much the Big Ten is willing to move to go get Florida State and Clemson. And now... So from having to take all these West Coast teams, okay, because Oregon and Washington helps build that bridge to the Big Ten, right? That's going to help the smaller sports because college football hadn't broken off from all the other ones yet, which I think is coming down the pipe. But now you throw in Florida State and Clemson in the mix, imagine that travel schedule now. Like like imagine adding that. So I think a lot of it is not if or when. It's how, and I think the SEC knows that. I think they know Florida State's putting on all their makeup and, and dressing as good as they can to try and impress them. But Greg Sankey, he's not—he's not gonna be tricked. This isn't the M Night Shyamalan movie. Like the SEC moves at their own pace.
1: Man, the the thing that I'm gonna just chuckle heavily at is when we get to this 12 team playoff next year, and mm-hmm. four or five SEC teams make it, and it blows every everybody goes nuts because guess what? What we just talked about with the SEC West. There's not a harder division out there in football, and I know we're not going to have divisions anymore, but all these teams are going to be there. Now, I know there's probably going to be another loss or two. An undefeated season is going to be harder when you got Alabama and Texas and Georgia and LSU and everybody playing each other more frequently. But my goodness, if it doesn't make these teams SEC teams even more deserving of a playoff spot when it comes down to it. If you're talking about getting the best 12, there's got to be probably four or five SEC teams in there every year.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, well, what what has the standard been? Pretty much like ten and two, like, like that's about the level that you. I know LSU was kind of an anomaly last year. If they'd have beaten Georgia, it'd have gotten really, really interesting down the stretch on who they would have let in the playoff. But but the threshold's been like, all right, ten and two, and you're gonna have to hope to get in. Well, now that it goes to twelve, the right nine and three, and the way yeah. you finish the year in the SEC. Now that you're adding Tech to talk about strength to schedule being in the criteria, being in the rubric of, of who the committee chooses, I mean, look, do, and they'll complain, they'll cry, and they'll kick and scream about it. But every time any rules have been changed or any teams have been added to the postseason, the, the rich get richer, right? The rich are going to get richer. Typically, there's only three, maybe four teams each year that have a chance to win the Natty. And four, I think I'm I'm, think I'm being nice saying that. but And I do think it will help parity over time. Right, Parity isn't a switch that's flipped. It's like fixing an economy. You don't switch a flip or flip a switch and fix an economy. It's a lot of, of good choices made over time that ends up increasing that, and I think it will do that. But you, you mean to tell me that the SEC is not going to benefit more from a 12-team playoff with that many at largest? Come on now. Yeah,
1: it's going to be crazy. One team that I think is going to benefit in the SEC, and our third topic here. 2023 Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah. I, You know, Jake, you know that I'm high on Kentucky. I was high on them last year. I thought that, hey, they had all the – pieces, but I discounted how big of a loss Liam Cohen from that team as the play car was going to be last year. And then I did not think they would be as bad on the offensive line. I think they've fortified that on the offensive line this year. Liam Cohen comes back. Plus, you've got Devin Leary there. And am I crazy to think that Kentucky – as one of the better trios at wide receiver in all the SEC and Dane King, uh, Barion Brown and Tavion Robinson.
0: No, uh, it's and and bringing Liam back is huge for those guys, too. Look, what what Bar- we all know that that Barry is, is an absolute witch 100%. And you got a supporting cast around him. I like them bringing in Ray Davis from Vanderbilt, yes. the running back. I think that kid's got a little ability. Here's who Kentucky is, and and I think Liam understands that, uh, l- understands who Kentucky is. Kentucky is a physical team that likes to slide under the radar and go out play good defense and get a little bit creative on offense Liam gets creative enough where obviously they're not in the you know Eddie grand system of, of 1935 style offense uh, but the offensive line was such a big letdown for Kentucky last year and I know they were beat up. Right? I know they had trouble protecting Will. I like the transfer portal moves they made in the offensive line. They kicked a couple guys right. They moved Jaeger uh, to center. Uh, they, they bumped guards back to their normal spots. I think Kentucky's going to be better up front on the offensive line. And, and we all know, look, balance keeps you on the beam when it comes to anything in football, not just offense, but defense and, and team as well. But Kentucky has to be able to run the ball more effectively this year to be able to open that up for guys like Barry and Dane and Tavian to be able to go do what they do. And I think that with Liam now, with what he likes to do formationally, with what his motion game is really good. He does a really good job of motioning you into what he wants to get you in and then taking an advantage of space. And, and Devin Leary, you know, we had the Peck issue last year. And all remember, remember all the the raving reviews about yeah. NC State going in there? They could make the playoff. Watch out for NC State. I think Devin Leary – is a little bit pissed off, to me, and he should be. Yeah. He should be. And he does, a, he does a really pretty ball. I think he does have nuance as a passer, and I think he has that chip on him. So how many people are really talking about Devin Leary this year? You're not hearing nearly as much about Devin Leary this year as you did last year, and I think that's good. I think you're, the same thing is happening for Kentucky as a team. Kentucky on defense, that with Mark Stubes, they're always going to be fine. They're going to be a top 25 defense, top 30 defense. Yeah. They're going to hold you to field goals in the red zone. They're going to be tough against the run. But now you bring back Liam Cohen, a guy who who has been in the league before, has had success in the league before. You match him with Devin Lee and Wondell Robinson did a lot for Kentucky. Now I don't think people really realize how good. what you see him now at, out in the NFL, what he's doing, and he's he's little as can be, but quicker than a hiccup. But he he yeah. he hit a lot of problems for Kentucky. I like the Wildcats in the underdog role. I like their schedule a lot yes. too. When you look at that, that's huge. If they're able to end the year strong at South Carolina and at Louisville, I don't think Kentucky finished in second in the East is crazy at all because there's a lot of question marks about Joe Milton right now too. i got to see it.
1: Well, you mentioned that schedule. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, Florida, yeah. who I don't think Florida's what Florida used to be, at least not this year. Give Napier time. He's going to get it there, but they don't have the horses this year. 5-0. If you play, if you do what you're supposed to, you're five and zero going into Athens to play Georgia. Probably a loss there, even though Kentucky always plays Georgia tough. Then you get Missouri at home. The, The what I was pointing out with this schedule, and you and I were talking before, that Florida game is at home. The Missouri game, home. Tennessee game at home. Alabama game at home. And oh, by the way, that Alabama game, Alabama comes off of playing LSU. So they, they, Alabama has a physical contest against LSU and then has to turn around and go to Lexington in November. It's going to be cold up there. You know the Wildcats are going to be physical in that game. I'm just saying, don't be shocked if some of these big-time games that are at home for Kentucky end up going their way at Kroger Field this year. Is that, is that a fair assessment?
0: No, it is. First off, I hate they call it Kroger Field. I can't stand that. That's the worst <laughs> stadium name I've ever heard. I feel like I need to put in my phone number to maybe save $8 on groceries when I go up there. But I agree with you 100%. That Tennessee game is massive. It is high week. massive. They get a
1: bye week before the Tennessee oh, game.
0: It's, it, the schedule could not – if you have to play Georgia, Bama, and Tennessee, the way it lines up, it could not line up any better. For Tennessee, and again, look, you got to win the games that you probably should win. I think Missouri's a little sneaky, too. I really like what they return on defense. That's going to be a physical game. But uh, I, I would not be shocked if you looked up and Kentucky was 9-3 and three at the end of the year. Now, you got look, every team has to catch breaks, right? Every team has to catch breaks. That Georgia game, you're probably going to take an L. But I, I'm with you 100%, Blaine. And, and not a lot of people. Look, Tennessee's a sexy pick, and I get it. Josh Heupel, if Joe Milton can throw the changeup, Tennessee's a problem. They're a legit yeah. problem. They get Georgia at home, right? Florida, look, I, I believe in Graham Mertz about as much as I mm-hmm. believe in the Snuffleupagus. I just I, – I don't. I'm sorry. Look, if I want somebody just to throw check downs, heck, I'll do it for half the scholarship. But at the end of the day, Kentucky, the, the experience, how good they're going to be up front, the improvement up front, how much better and more experienced they're going to be at the skill position. And, and, and quarterback, obviously, will Levis. as much as I didn't love where, you know, the, the Titans taking them. He's still a really good college player. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, Kentucky, yeah, uh, second in the East is not a, a far stretch at all. And you win that Tennessee game, and you're ho-humming along.
1: Yeah, I just can't believe when you listen, when you look at the schedule, like we said, all those home games. And before you get – not only do does Kentucky get a bye before Tennessee, Tennessee plays at Alabama the week before. Yep. And then when – and as I mentioned – Alabama the week before they play Kentucky plays LSU you could not ask for anything better if you're Mark Stoops no excuses. this is no oh, excuses. yeah no excuses you, if, if they're going to be good this is the year to be good Jake um tell everybody uh if they don't already which you should you should be tuned into Crane, <laughs> Crane and Company every morning but uh tell them what you got going on over there on the Daily Wire
0: uh man, number one, I'm really excited to, to be with you guys uh, every Friday. Love what y'all are doing. Um, you know, in the space, it's fantastic. It's great content. It, the fans win when you have shows like this. Congrats on getting to 10K too. It's one of the many 10,000 sets that you guys are gonna get to, and and really excited for y'all. And excited to be a part of it. But yeah, look, we uh we do a live uh, show every uh, weekday. We're also gonna start doing our Sunday recap show in the mornings. So uh, you get, the easiest way is to go to YouTube. Type in Cranin Company, C-R-A-I-N, and Company. We're live from 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. We have live call-ins. We have a live chat. If you like talking sports the way they used to talk sports before it got all crazy and they tried to split all of us up, then, then come hang out with us. That's what you're going to get. Just like you guys, talking ball. It's great stuff. Uh, and we dived down. I, I coached for nine years, six at the Division One level. My other co-host, David Cohn, played quarterback at Michigan. No, he's not the pitcher. Like he says, he never played for the Mets. And my brother uh, played a wide receiver at Western State, Colorado. So we dive really deep into it. we got predictions coming out next week. We're going to go conference by conference, day by day, starting with the ACC on Monday. So come hang out with us and then make sure you check this out as well.
1: Jake, I think next week, uh, because as Jake mentioned, he's going to be here with us each and every week. I think next week you and I should talk a little bit about uh, Auburn, the Auburn Tigers, and about – a little bit of recruitment momentum because as we record this, uh, we're a couple of days from Auburn landing yet another big fish here for oh. Hugh Freeze and company. They are just continuing to reel in uh, four- and five-star guys with Hugh Freeze Their Alignment, alignment amongst the Auburn program, boosters, uh, head coach, everybody just go eight involved. And four.
0: Just go eight and four. Please, just please go eight and four
1: absolutely so we are going to we're going to talk a little bit of auburn next week and we'll have another couple of topics here for you that is jake crane follow him at jake crane underscore on twitter see crane and company on youtube we'll put their stuff of course in the description of this video and then follow me at b gilmer 18 and then at 14 southeastern is our handle on twitter guys subscribe it is absolutely free like turn on notifications for Jake Crane, I am Blaine Gilmer. We'll catch you guys next week here for more Jake's Takes on Southeastern 14.